0: Welcome back to the VertForce podcast. I'm your host, Kimber Hill. We are explaining Enneagrams, and this is episode two of our Enneagram series. So go back to episode one if you don't want to pick up in the middle of our conversation. In episode one, we did an in-depth exploration into every single Enneagram type, all nine of them. In this episode, we are going to be chatting about what part of the Enneagram can impact your job search process. So for example, how can knowing your Enneagram types help you in interviews? How can it help you during the job application process? My guest today is Kristen Earp, and I'm excited to have her. Let's go ahead and start our conversation now. Virtual employment is here to stay. I'm military spouse, Vertforce founder, and your remote work expert, Kimber Hill. Subscribe now to learn how you too can thrive in the virtual workforce.
1: Welcome back to the Vertforce podcast, where we are continuing our conversation with Kristen Earp about the Enneagram. Kristen is an active duty military spouse of 20 years. She has two beautiful kids. She has a background in career coaching and professional leadership counseling, and she's an expert on the Enneagram. Kristen Tell us a little bit about your background before we break into the second part of our conversation about the Enneagram.
2: Yeah, so I am a military spouse, as you said, we've, uh, gosh, 20 years now almost, and we've moved 15 times, maybe moving again, don't know. Uh, But yeah, two kids, I started out with, you know, going to school, getting a degree in psychology. I have a, a master's in organizational psychology. And coaching found its way to me through that. And really, I love just helping people explore where they are and how to be their best, better selves, as well as doing that in organizations with leaders as well. So that's where I play. Well, you've
1: 100% helped me do that. (laughs) We're seeing a lot from Enneagrams in pop culture right now. They're popping up everywhere. And I began becoming curious about them. What do they mean? How does it apply to the job search? How can this self-awareness journey help me get closer to that unicorn career for myself? Uh, And you and I, we've had like an hour long conversation going through all nine of the types, but I thought what might be beneficial is if you gave us a quick 30 second, one minute overview of the nine types to refresh our memory
2: sure and do you want me to pull something up to be a visual or should we just talk through them can you tell me what would yeah do why don't you pull
1: up just the overall map and you can talk through that
2: all right are we seeing it did i get yeah. to the right screen perfect okay so uh just a quick overview there's nine uh there's nine types as you see and this is how we see the world it's like nine different ways and so at the top we we have the the ones in red that's our our gut wisdom and the eights uh they they were resp- this is their kind of their wisdom is off of um again the gut but it's anger it's how we respond to anger so eights have direct access to them uh to the anger nines can ignore it so it can like boil over at certain times and ones kind of feel guilty about maybe having anger because it may be like a bad emotion. Uh, so that's just kind of giving you a little bit about the core emotion for that group, which again is our, our gut wisdom. And go back to the, the first tape to hear a whole lot more on, on all of that. And then the next grouping is the ones in green. These are This is our heart wisdom. And this, our, the core emotion here is sadness or grief. Uh, so twos are in conflict with their sadness. Uh, they uh, they may seek to be likable and, and hide it, whereas threes can underdo their sadness and grief. They can kind of numb out to it because uh, it doesn't help achieve goals. And then fours can overdo their sadness uh, because they want to feel unique or special. Um, and so they can kind of really, really feel their feeling. And then the last grouping is the head wisdom. Um, this is. Right up here, this is our intellect. And this is how we view safety and fear. So fives feel safety by excluding everyone. That's, again, in the last one, I said maybe more the castle. They they retreat to the castle with a moat. Um, Sixes put rules in place for, for safety and fear. So there's a lot of questioning and what ifs that happen for them. And sevens can get nervous about safety, so they'll go for things that make them feel good. It's kind of the turn the negative into a positive. Uh, So that's just a very quick, like such a quick description. Absolutely, so fast.
1: And each type has its own strengths and its own challenges. So I encourage you to go back and listen to our in-depth conversation about each type. And uh, let's dive in. I'm knowing your strengths, knowing your attributes, knowing your weaknesses, these are all things that can help you describe yourself in an interview or fill out um, a pre screening questionnaire. Or it can also help you, you know, complete and write a really great cover letter or video interview. Kristen, what do you think
2: about this? All that's true. With the caveat to say that uh, companies do need to be careful if they use the Enneagram to screen candidates. Um, we really don't want to put people in boxes or make assumptions about anybody's ability based off the Enneagram. But to your point, in knowing our strengths and attributes and weaknesses, it really does help us to authentically show up in those interviews um, and also make sure we're looking for the jobs uh, or in the career path that, that suit us. Uh, so I think we had, we were talking about this a little bit before, like, so for example, as a strong, I'm a nine to six, my, mind, my nine uh, likes harmony, my two likes to be helpful of people. So one of my weaknesses is being direct. Um, and so if I were to be asked at an interview for a, a job, like, what is, you know, what is a weakness of yours? It could be something of, I'm working on my more direct communication uh, because I really do enjoy harmony and I enjoy uh, finding that collaborative state. So it would also be talking about ways in which I prepare for direct, com- uh, direct communication or, or conflict, those kinds of things, so that I'm being authentic in my response and also showing that I'm working on myself. Yeah, and then, because, and... go ahead. No, as you say, Kimber, like like, what's true there for you or how do you feel about that?
1: And I think you understated all of that. So I'm going to reinforce some things that you said, but because what we don't want to do in an interview is we don't want to be asked, what are your greatest strengths? What are your greatest weaknesses? And we don't want to respond with well, I just, I care too much. So my weakness is my greatest strength. I just, and, and even for some types that might be true. Like I'm a three and, and you have three tendencies and sometimes we really do care too much, but those are the kind of answers that get you laughed out of the room, right? We, we want to respond authentically. And what Kristen said is she, she answered this very eloquently, albeit She understated it for herself. My weakness is that I struggle to be direct, but I acknowledge that. And I think you could even give examples there of how you acknowledge that and how you mitigate it in the workforce. Um, So what were you saying? You mitigate it by having a game plan for handling those tough conversations. Tell me more about that.
2: Yeah, so in in what coaching allows me to do is or what it is helps me to do is how to focus on the relationship. Um, so if I'm going to be a manager of someone it's having a, a very conscious conversation around what engages you, what frustrates you, how do you like to receive feedback. Or, or, what, or how, how are you in conflict, and just having a very open conversation so that we can kind of get our cards on the table, rather than like stepping on a landmine. Like for me, that feels more comfortable because when I know about the relationship and I and we've had some kind of an agreement, uh, then when we have those situations, it's it's like permission to step forward with a little bit more directness because we've we've established the relationship.
1: Right, so Kristen is planning to give herself permission to have those tough conversations, right? So what Kristen would be saying to the interviewer there is um, my weakness is having, and it's really, it's not 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 being able to have those conversations, right? It's about dreading it. My weakness is that I dread- yeah, is that I dread having tough conversations, but I acknowledge that and the way that I mitigate it is I build a relationship with my team member, with someone who's reporting to me. And I set the standard up front of when, when it comes time, when I acknowledge, I acknowledge that inevitably these conversations are gonna happen. So when it comes time to do this, let's set a structure for how we will approach it and that's really serving yourself you know it's really preparing yourself and giving yourself permission to have those conversations and creating that safe space but so we're talking about technique but we're also talking about exactly how to answer that question for me um, leading with a three um, my weakness really does tend to be that my identity gets meshed with my goals and my work gets so ingrained in my personal life that I have a hard time distinguishing between the two and i really do bring work home with me for example something can go wrong for me at work my whole weekend is ruined right so if i'm in an interview and i'm talking to an interviewer about that and they 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 ask me i can be transparent and tell them in the past i've struggled with separating work from life but i acknowledge that And so what do I do now to prevent that from happening? I'm very now from learning all of these lessons, I'm really good at delegating. And I'm really good at learning to say, no, I'm also very skilled in understanding what is my limit, where, where are my limits? Where does it become hard for me to clock out? How much can be on my plate before I start to realize it's gonna be hard for me to clock out today, mentally and emotionally. I might leave the building, but all of this is coming with me,
2: you know? <laughs> yeah. And it, it just shows what good reflection that you've had. Um, Cause again, knowing your type, sometimes uh, the more immature side of it won't sit back and have that reflection. And now that you've done the work, that's such a wonderful way to put forth some area you've struggled in, ways that you've gone over it when you're in the interview that's Uh, really what
1: yeah and that's really what the interviewer wants to see when they ask that question and when you're in your early 20s you may not be seasoned enough to understand that um but and that's typically why if you go into an interview um against people who are more seasoned than you just life experience helps them understand how to answer these questions but you can get the competitive advantage if you spend some time on your enneagram right (laughs) There you go. Yep. Um, But also I want to touch on speaking positively about yourself too, because in the last video that we had this conversation, we were talking about um, how I kind of hated my six. Uh, But the more that you and I work through it, the more that I see how my six can be my strength. Um, So one thing about, being a six is that I'm very risk adverse, right? And I see that as a negative thing because I see it as something, or I tend to automatically see that as something that's holding me back. My hands feel cuffed together because I'm terrified to make the next leap, right? And I'm, I'm really having that in body experience, that fear in the chest, right? But if I can turn my attention to the six as she's actually a really big asset and i can talk to my potential employer about how i am a risk mitigator i'm going to evaluate every circumstance that could play out and i'm going to have a game plan to enact for you depending on what happens based on where we're headed that's a huge asset to a company and to an employer. They need people who are risk adverse and who are thinking in that direction.
2: Yeah. And, you know, we haven't gotten quite into it yet, but when we talk about the lines that you'll see, the three uh, and the six actually have a line going to it because the six helps the three. So where you were saying earlier that your identity can get wrapped up or it has in the past, The six actually causes you to pause. Threes can go so fast and get so driven that your six actually causes you to stop and slow down and consider. So you actually just having that in your tri-type, and I know I didn't say that earlier, um, has a natural like, what is it, uh, checks and balance. and, And there's a way to grow both on the healthy side as you just said. Wow. So, Thank you
1: for pointing that God. out.
2: That, that helps me.
1: Um, so, how should our candidates be using this information about themselves when it comes to career?
2: So, and again, we talked about so much of that also in the last one, but really understanding, having that self awareness. And, and honestly, this is where I go with a lot of coaching and training, anyways, is having the self awareness of, of how we show up in this world, knowing that there's validation for who you are and and all the things that you're feeling. Um, And and once you have awareness around that, you can create, you can become conscious and decide if that's how you wanna go forward, right? You can change habitual thought patterns and things like that. So when you're looking at a job and you have that awareness, you can say, you know, what do I need to do in the current job or is this job maybe doesn't fit me, maybe I've always sort of felt like that. Now, I'll tell you in my last position, I started to not feel like a good fit. And it's because I wasn't honoring some values that were really important to me that really became became apparent with the Enneagram. Um, And so for me, it was a job shift uh, into something that was a little bit more aligned with who I am. So you, as you know more about yourself, you can choose work, you can choose career paths and you can talk about yourself as we were just saying at different interviews with, um, with more alignment, uh, and evolution really in the way you want to grow.
1: Absolutely. Can you share a little bit more? You may not have, um, a vivid memory of what those things were for you, but what was it that you weren't honoring that? the Enneagram brought to light for you?
2: Yeah, so I have been virtually working for almost 17 years. (laughs) So I started virtually working when, like before it was like, I felt like before it was a thing, before we had words the way we do now around virtual work. And I would have told you that one of my biggest values is family and that's why I did it so that I had a career and I could be there for my family but I still found myself um, not happy at work. And I realized that my deeper value was actually connection. And and when my company was so small, there really wasn't any built in, I wasn't really talking to anybody uh, on a a day-to-day basis. It was a lot of very individualized work. So what I found was that that's not gonna feed my soul. Um, And so, in looking at the Enneagram as a nine to six, twos are, you know, about people, nine is about harmony, you can see that I have like two-thirds is around community and people. So, I went back to my roots, I was like, okay, I have that degree in psychology, I'm a trainer, I'm a, you know, I'm now a coach, how do I create the unicorn job, as you put it, that allows me to do all of this. So I, I've, that's what I do now. I do coaching, facilitation, training uh, with people. Uh, so I fill my days with that. And you're still doing that remotely? I'm still doing that remotely, yeah. So it is possible
1: to have that connection being high on your Enneagram and high on your personal core values, but be satisfied and fulfilled in a remote setting. Yeah. Yes. since since i kind of specialize well not kind of since i definitely specialize in virtual and remote work is there any part of the enneagram spectrum that you see remote careers being kind of like a red flag like if this is you red flag remote career types are likely not in your alley
2: oh that's such an interesting one um i have to think on that like i let me just take a quick look i'm looking over here at my different ones
1: I know I I sprung this one on you
2: no I'm because I'm thinking I know people in every single type majority virtual Um, so again because this is where I live so I'm not sure that that's a good indicator unless you know, you are that person that wants to, you know, it's almost more Myers-Briggs to me. Like if you want to use all of your senses and you want to like touch and taste the air of what it is to be at like an event or in the office. And um, yeah, like if those are some of the things you miss, but I find that nowadays we can do hybrid too, right? So you can get a bit of both. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I gotcha. Thank you. Uh, So as a leadership development coach, when you're working with corporate leadership and you're working with business owners, you're working with people like me, um, and really what we're focused on is being better leaders and being better remote team members and being our best selves, like manifesting our Enneagram to the highest power. Where does the Enneagram
2: come in for you? How do you use it? Yeah. such a great question. It's really about self-awareness. um It's creating that. If you ever heard of the Johari Window of like how much you know about yourself, or maybe no. what other people know that you don't know, and there's what they don't know and you don't know, right? There's like a whole window. Yeah, no, never
1: heard of that.
2: <laughs> so cool. Um, but I feel like the Enneagram can shed light uh, on what you maybe already know, but don't acknowledge is that shadow and light side of yourself. So it's, it just creates a lot of awareness. There's also pushback, maybe pushing back because it doesn't feel like you are pushing back because you're not ready to see that in yourself yet. Yeah. I had some um,
1: pushback in mine. Yeah. yeah that, that, there were components of the three that I just didn't resonate with. Like, um, after I took the Enneagram and I don't mean to cut you off or jump ahead. So if you need to stop me, you can, but when I, when my team brought the Enneagram to me and said, Hey, we need to really look at the Enneagram. It's like, okay, great. Let me go take the Enneagram. I took it and I came out as a three, which are typically known as vain people. And someone described that to me as, Oh, it's your sin. Your sin is that you're vain. And I was like, I don't resonate with that at all. I don't do what I do for, for me. And I don't, I, I enjoy being creating podcasts and having discussions and things like that. But for me, that doesn't come from like a seat of vanity. Uh, So yeah, I did have some pushback, but you helped me understand and work through some of that.
2: Yeah. And, and that, that language, as we said in the last one, sometimes can really throw people off to the sin. And another way to kind of look at it is like a vice to virtue. And, you know, this is to also, to honor that you know you have navigated through life and you've been successful doing what you've been doing and when you use the enneagram it just helps you understand what your habitual patterns are your thoughts and now you get to choose a little bit more consciously do you want to keep you know succeeding the same way do you want to do it differently because if something's serving you right like don't 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 fix it but if there's like a part of you that feels like oh there's a better way to do this or I don't you know to your point I don't have to take work home and, and when something doesn't go right and have it destroy my entire weekend or be in the background as a low hum maybe there's another way to live um, and and that's that's where I feel like the Enneagram helps even sometimes the language can be strong.
1: Yeah, and, and even as we approach this conversation, you brought in new terminology for me that the three is also known for like self-deceit. And I was like, that doesn't resonate with me at all. I don't lie to myself about anything. <laughs> I'm so yeah. honest with myself, but. <laughs> and I laugh because you explained to me um, a little bit further about what that can mean. And, and that's, Um, lying or convincing yourself that the goals are what's really important convincing yourself that sacrificing your evening or sacrificing your weekend is not a big sacrifice at all and that it's not really that important so um yeah and I think in in my early 20s accomplishments really meant a lot and you helped me understand um you know, I was talking to Kristen in a coaching session and, and I said, listen, I don't understand why I am a three. You know, my parents never sat down and told me, we expect a lot out of you. And in order for you to get love from us, you need to achieve, 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 achieve. But what Kristen brought up for me is that what did happen in my childhood was that I was rewarded for hard work. Um, I think from the time that I was seven, um, yeah, I think my, I got my first, you know regular set of chores at seven, which were you know chores around the farm, taking care of the chickens, collecting the eggs, feeding the goats, feeding the pigs. Um, and that really grew for me. My parents saw that I thrived under a task-based environment. And so the more tasks that they gave me, the more they would reward me with uh, allowance, uh, gifts, words of affirmation, so all of these things started to pile up for me. And so by the time I was 16 years old, I had a part-time job. Um, I was dual enrolled in college. Um, I was still going to high school. I was taking voice and acting lessons and doing community theater and also had a part-time um, role with the pilot kids' TV series. So that's like seven things by the time I was 16. <laughs> And my parents were just continually like, I'm so proud of you. You know, you're so ambitious, like, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. But what did that, you know, play into for me as an adult? Um,
2: you know, it went pretty far. Yeah, and and you, can't, you didn't see yourself as a three, that's funny. Uh, having seven roles by 16 but yeah and and it's it's just that kind it's you were rewarded for the doing for being successful and so it kind of plants this seed a little bit of oh when i'm ambitious and i'm succeeding uh that's the behavior that the world wants from me or that's the that i know how to how to do this kind of a thing and i can do and and i'm gonna do it good i'm gonna do it well this is right rewarding
1: right and so for our listener you can probably look back on your own childhood and understand what components reinforced the enneagram type that you resonate with and if you need help you can work with kristen because she can help you better understand it and better um own up to it and and use it to your advantage as an adult
2: yeah and i'm i'm gonna make one plug there too because when kimber came to me she goes well i'm a three and I don't really feel like I resonate. And I said, well, then you need to take it with me because I think you took one that's not, uh, you know, that was a free one. So I want you to take it with me. And so when she took it with me, I was able to give her so much more, the tri-type that she is to help round out her three and also to tell her what instinct she pulls on um, more so because there's three instincts. And so I, I, without putting words in your mouth, feel like that by having the, a bigger picture. Uh there was more to grab onto. Um, yes,
1: absolutely. And, and if you want to work with Kristen, you can send her an email and she will give you a discount if you can tell her my tri-type um, after listening to this. Um, let's talk about
2: the instincts. Okay. So there's three instincts uh, that we need to to kind of continue as a society, to continue to continue as a human race. And the first one is self-preservation. Uh, so this is really making sure basic needs are met, right? We need food, we need water, we need security, we need these things individually. The second one is social, and that is a community, right? We've heard that we we need a community to thrive, Uh, you know, even in the, the military lifestyle. We know this probably better than anyone. We're like, come on, welcome in. We we know how hard this is, right? So there's the social instinct and then there's the sexual instinct or what we call the one to one, which, yes, is sexual, but also it's the transmitting one. We need to be able to transmit genes, transmit information. It's kind of that passing down so we need all three of these but what happens is is based off of you know different life experiences we tend to nurture one or we start leaning into one or maybe two a little bit more heavy and so with Kimber what we noticed is that she leans more into social so when we lean more into social we lean less out of some other ones Um, And so, you know, Kimber, again, I I don't wanna put words in your mouth, but if I I remember correctly, your self-preservation was a little bit lower. So what I could make up about that is that you might forget to eat (laughs) or you might run out of the house and you're busy, you know, doing all the things that maybe there's, a we forget to take care of ourselves a little bit. And then I'll let you tell me how that shows up for you though.
1: You're exactly right. I think that there is a little bit of um, oh, how many times have I did I eat yesterday once? <laughs> and some of the things that I, I adapt to, right a protein shake in the morning uh, because I know that I have to get into the office to get to get the to move the needle right to move the needle. But things that I want to happen for me is I would love to wake up and do a workout. I would love to wake up and spend time with my daughter, which I do. I prioritize spending time with her and I will forego the workout so that I can get my good morning cuddles in. So it's about prioritization and understanding that, Hey, I might've had an off week where I wasn't as balanced as I'd like to be, but next week is going to be better. Um, and, and even being able to look at that in a day to day basis today might've been unbalanced for me. I'm going to try better tomorrow. And I do tend to, to balance myself more towards work, but I have fun doing it. Like what is wrong with me, Kristen, because I would rather my idea of a fun weekend is doing business related activities. And my husband hates that about me. Um, and if it's not mine, I want to help a friend with their business, right?
2: what's wrong with me I don't know and there's nothing wrong with you like that's the other thing to point it's that you you know even just in the example you've given like they're the one-to-one relationship helping a friend I think you did you weren't so low on that and you're social so what what that means is is that um, again we need all three we need all three to survive But when you tip into one, it's like you almost, that one is the one you need more of. Like that's the one you kind of go after more. So the social, uh, and being, um, a three, the way that that plays out is, is, um, like express to, to take that word vanity again, to embrace the vanity, right. Uh, is that being like more on the social stage. Is a little bit what that looks like. Um, baby, it's called the prestige. That's that's what it's called. I was trying to think of what the word's called. So for the social three, it's called prestige. So there is a, you know, I don't want to say needing everyone's admiration, but there is a bit of being on the stage. So it's needing the social, liking the social, enjoying that. And I think you said you have theater in your background, even uh, to say that. But this is where you may work hard to climb the social ladder. Um, uh, because it's really important to you to have the community. It's important to be a part of the community, to, to, and, and to find the right word, right? To um, make the right impression. That that would be more important to you as a social three than maybe like a self-preservation three. Um, so they still might have the same passion of vanity, but it'll be expressed differently because they focus more on that, like the security part. Does that make sense? Or am I kind of like talking? Absolutely.
1: And no, it makes sense. And it makes sense to me because it plays out in my career choices. And even the things that I like to spend my time doing, I used to love improv and When my kids get older and I'm out of this very young motherhood stage, I absolutely want to go back to improv because I, I do enjoy that and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like it makes me feel very vulnerable to share those things about myself. So working with a coach like Kristen really helps. So I encourage you, if you're listening and you're like, I want to know these things about me, how do I learn these things about myself? Go work with Kristen. She'll help you. Um, but, ultimately here, what we're talking about is saying, this is okay. You know, the reason that uh, the platform that I've created is working so well and that you're listening to this podcast right now or you're watching this is because there is that part of me that really enjoys, you know, being on the stage, right? I, I enjoy this. Like I, I like being the person who can coach and talk about this with you. So, and, and that's, that's fun. It's a fun space to be in. And I think, you know, there are a lot of other people who enjoy that. I'm sure news anchors are among that crowd and it's, it's there. It's a nice place to be.
2: Yeah. And then it's just learning to balance, you know, the self, your self needs, right. Uh, with your family needs, as you've already said, and you're, you've put that into practice. So yeah, that's how the social that's, that's why not all threes look the same. Right, and this is why every path is unique. The the journey for each is unique.
1: The path is unique and understanding where you come from can almost give you permission to continue to pursue what lights you up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Where else should we go, Kimber? Well, I
1: noticed that there were like lines going between my numbers and there was a distinct line to three and nine, even though I'm not really a nine. So can you explain that to me and what those lines are and what they mean?
2: Yeah, so I'm going to bring the visual back up. Are, is, are we seeing it? Making sure I'm just showing my right screen. Uh, but there is lines, as you said. Uh, and what these are called are, are growth lines and stress lines. And so from the three, um, it goes to the nine. And the nine, uh, this could look like in times of stress, now this this will be like maybe on the lower side. Maybe you've worked yourself, you know, so hard you've done so much that um, you are kind of just going along with the flow now, right? Because nines have that ability to go go along with the flow. Uh, so if you've worked yourself to the point of collapse, maybe you just don't care. <laughs> You're like, I'm just gonna go with the flow. But on a on a healthier side of the nine. You're letting, need, you're letting go of your need of control um, and you're allowing others to, you know, more consensus, maybe more inclusiveness. You're, you're just allowing them as much as your control. So that's, that's that one line. Your other line goes to your six, which as we said, is already part of your tri-type um and so you know with with that one we want to make sure that we're not going into your hyper right we were saying maybe on the on those, the lower side of that you would uh you know get so uh, worst case scenario uh that it gets really hard but on a positive side it really slows your three down it doesn't it doesn't make you go so fast it you know what are the concerns? What should I worry about? What does the other side look like?
1: Which can be a good thing,
2: right? It is yes. I guess if Again, I was like a 7 I
1: would probably be like wide open into anything and <laughs> everything and be all over the place.
2: Yes, yes. So not, yes,
1: not to criticize be- any three-sevens listening. <laughs>
2: Everybody has their own growth edge. Everybody has their own things, but it just allows you to have that slower pace uh, in a more helpful way, which which you're in conflict with. And I've seen it a couple of times, just even here, like I'm not going forward. And it's like, it's that it's that really your yin to your yang or your counterweight um, that yes. is- this year, I have very
1: much felt in conflict with my six, like she is, and I'm gonna I refer to her as she, cause she's like a part of me. So I see myself, see parts of myself in eight, I see parts of myself in six and parts of myself in three, but I've been very much a little jaded at my six. I think she's holding me back. I'm like, come on, baby, let me go, let me go, I wanna burn.
2: Yeah, well, and I think, you know, it would be interesting to see what threes have actually thought even just through this pandemic of 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 forcing a bit of a slowdown too, um or if they've found ways <laughs> to to charge ahead, right? Uh because I make up threes will will have figured that out before the rest of us. Oh <laughs> yeah. So these are your growth and stress lines. Um and you can see that they're all different depending on the type uh, that there's ways to grow your three, and really the journey becomes it's like three steps. It's know thyself, right? Face your face your shadow side, and then make some make some commitments around that. And that's really what. Yeah, the Enneagram helps you do.
1: For the this is for the listener. I'm going to be really vulnerable with Kristen here, and I'm going to give you kind of a demonstration of what working with her is like so that you can understand, you know, where you got to go. Can you hear my kid in the background? Nope. Okay. (laughs) She's singing while she has lunch. So, um, so let's talk about how I handle my business, right? Let's talk about Uh, running my business, where I want the business to go. So as as I'm explaining how much I love my Oprah, how much I love my three and how she serves me and helps me Get on that stage, build this company, pursue that vision, and do it all from the heart with a mission and a purpose to bring military spouses employment. My six is over here with her little checklist and clipboard and glasses, and is like, um, excuse me, uh, we're not ready for this and we're not ready for that. And I know you want to do this, but it's going to be about eighteen months and. Da, 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 da. And I hate her. It's like this internal struggle with Michael and Toby in the office. Like Toby is my six and Michael is, you know, not that I'm comparing myself to Michael and Toby, but it's that kind of relationship between the two of them. And I don't like manifesting in my six. I don't like sitting down to do my six at work duties. And so you helped me by asking me to think of an analogy. And then we we kind of worked through this a little bit. Uh, so just let's recreate that so that the listener can understand um, the type of work you have to put in to to grow.
2: Yeah, well, and you teed it up so nicely there. It just I think when you were coming to it, there was a lot of conflict, and so I think I just I think I asked you like you know are you trying to do too many jobs here? Um, and we landed on that metaphor of you know if you're the leader the mindset shift is you have to get off the court you have to hire the right people and and get the ball to the other side get the point scored whatever it is but you can't touch the ball yeah and I mean, um,
1: maybe that's my gordon ramsay my eight that's saying i i, I want to be in control um, yeah. I re- what I truly, truly want is for my team to do, to manifest their highest self and their highest abilities and just run with the ball. But I find myself on the court, passing the ball a lot and I'm, I'm using a basketball analogy here, but okay. I, yeah. I don't even really want to be the coach. I don't want to be there. Um, like shouting plays or telling everyone what to do. I just, I want to be at this elevated level where I look down and I don't mean like I'm looking down at you. I just mean like I have a bird's eye view of what's going on. I see my team, they are kicking but they are playing ball. I see my coach, I wink at her. I'm like, I love you girl. You are the best coach in the world. And then I am in that vision space, building out other teams, right? Pulling in more people for other teams, hiring other coaches, and you know, advancing the league, right? That's where I want to be. So, um, and I think that's why I'm so at conflict with my six and with my eight. And like, why can I not get off the court? And why can why is my six so focused on holding me back?
2: And I think that you know when you realized that 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 you wanted the bird's eye view, what did that um, what did that allow to shift in you, or what did that allow to come to light when you realized that's the position you wanted to play? Of
1: oh, some peace. I definitely got some peace in my core. Of I don't have to do it all. I don't have to be on the court passing the ball. I don't have to be writing the plays. You know, there is peace there in my core about, yeah, we we are gonna get there. It may not be today. My company's only a few years old, so it may not be today, but we're I'm taking steps every day to make sure that I'm walking away from the court and I'm leaving the team in the in the coach's hands.
2: So I'm gonna pause you there because I just saw all three of your types in the owner's box with you working together. Woo! Are we in unison? Are we in our Oprah O moment? (laughs) I saw the passion there to drive forward. I saw the steadiness of your six and I saw the drive of your eight. That right there, that feeling, whatever you just had, give it a name, give it a persona, whatever you need. But that was them all working together.
1: It's my O. Not eh, that's (laughs) probably not the
2: best thing. (laughs) Hey, if it works for you and it gets you back to what you need to integrate, then
1: I find myself really embodying the stressful points of the eight and the six a lot. And I don't want to be there. And so I, I really don't visualize them all working together the way that you just said that you saw it. But when you you highlighted for me that you did see it, then I was like, "Whoa, well, I, I kind of see it now too. And I feel it, like I feel it here. I feel it here. I feel it here. And it's almost like coming out of me.
2: Done.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is, that's <laughs> the work, right? And now I just have to figure out how to hold on to that.
2: Yeah, and so embodiment works for you um and and it's it's really making that come alive so much that you can taste it so that you can pull yourself back to it when it feels like oh no i'm stepping on the court oh no she's got the clipboard she's down there you know
1: and maybe it would help me if every day i said like that visualization out loud
2: all right there's your accountability You're going to say it every day out loud. There you go. Okay.
1: So thank you for working through that with me. Um, let's talk about one other thing. So it still can be really hard for me to leave work at work. I think even when I am embodying that higher self, and those three things working together. And I keep doing this because I'm imagining my O. Like Hmm. like recently I had a big business challenge that made me think that I was losing my business and that it would be over soon. And um, it just really shook me to my core. And I'm not gonna go into detail about what it was because that's really not important. The important thing is that I had this um, clarity and um, but I also had this um, overwhelming, all-consuming fear that um, it was over, that force was over, right? That it could be over. Um, and it was because I just, I kept running the worst case scenario in my head and as i continued to run the worst case scenario in my head i i was out of harmony with my vision my vision was gone so this goes back to my example if something goes wrong on a friday like my weekend is trashed i just i can't snap out of it i can't let it go but um you know you told me to learn to access my nine so that i can let things go and that's that's a part of you that's like the the diplomat right and a, what does a diplomat do they kind of sit back they assess the situation and um it, it's just kind of matter of fact matter of fact these are the facts and so i did that and i i took a big like i had this long conversation with myself actually it wasn't that long it was it just took me a long time to get to this point and when i got to this point and i said kimber um let's play this out business is over you close down VertForce. you close it down properly um you uh thank everyone who supported you along this journey and you walk away what do you have i still have my amazing family i still have my amazing daughter and i could literally pivot out of this and do anything that i wanted to Uh, With having the experience that I've had with this company, I could do anything I wanted to do with a smile on my face and probably with a thousand times less stress in my life. Um, And I just hope started to blossom from that. Like hope came from it and relaxation came from it and inner peace came from it where I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm proud of what we've done so far. And if it were to all disappear tomorrow, um, I would be okay. I would be totally fine. And, I, and, and things just started to to get better for me from there.
2: Yeah, I, I love how you worked through that. You, um, again, used the higher side of your six to play out the story in full instead of never seeing the ending, right? Like you keep getting up out of the movie theater before the ending comes because we're too scared to see what that looks like. And uh, hope, as we talked about in the beginning that the sin or the vice, uh, the virtue uh, for the three is hope. Um, So moving from shape-shifting and all the things you're doing to be successful to to hope. That's a, a more conscious, becoming more conscious of, you know, trusting, right? Trusting that everything will be okay and everything will work out and it really helps you to let go of that needing to push things forward or or see the results um, that good things are going to happen because you're less attached to the vehicle maybe and more attached to the overall uh, idea or the the passion the vision that you have so you know you you can see how your vanity can maybe shape no it has to be this one way and when you let Go of that. No, there's lots of ways, right, that you can do it, and trusting that you're where you need to be today and that um, you will make things happen, you know, if it needs to happen differently, but you're going to still continue that journey. And that's what hope can do. Kristen, I 100% see
1: how the Enneagram helps me with self awareness, which in turn helps me perform better in a career, decide where I want to go with my career and embody my best self, right. Which is what people want to hire or who people want to pay to do things for them. People who are in their best self and their in their tri type, like functioning everything in unison. So if our listener wants to work with you to figure out mm-hmm. this process for themselves, where do they go? How do they contact yeah. you?
2: Thank you for that, um, hello at kristenerp.com or you can go to my website, which is Um I have the assessors, you know, the Enneagram, if you want to go, there's an area there and you can click, you can say you want more information, I can give you that. Or check out anything else that I do, uh, but yeah, I am. I am here to support you. That is my my vision. Um, I'm here. I'm. I think I've I've had this phrase for a while, but I'm the invitation to living life on purpose. And I really would love to help people live, uh, lead on purpose, live on purpose, laugh on purpose, all of that, uh, in any kind of leadership role that you have, mom, work, anywhere, everywhere. So.
1: And that's k-r-i-s-t-e-n-e-a-r-p.com this has been another installment of the vertforce podcast and this wraps up our enneagram assessment in-depth evaluation in this episode we talked about how self-awareness can help you in your interview and application process but also I went very vulnerable and I went very deep here and let you guys in on a behind the scenes, like coaching conversation between me and Kristen. So you can understand what it's like to work with her. I encourage you to give her an email H E L L O at K R I S T E N E A R P.com. She's amazing. If you appreciate this content, please subscribe and be sure to leave us a review. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week.
0: If you loved this content as much as I loved creating it for you, remember to subscribe. Want to get in touch? You can reach me at podcast at vertforce.us. All content in this episode is the intellectual property of Vertforce LLC.